In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffitt, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are around the world. Welcome to today to our show the Kingdom and Its Stories. My name is Julian Gibb from the Harvest Foundation, and today uh, we're blessed to have my boss. <laughs> so here we are with Bob Moffitt, uh, the president of the Harvest Foundation. Uh, Bob, welcome to our show. Thanks, Julian. So, well, it is. It is indeed. And so uh, Bob has recently been teaching uh, students in uh, Mexico. Is that correct? Yes, Cancun. Cancun. And uh, how did it go? Uh, well, a small class, but um, they were very, very sharp. So, it was, you know, I'm discovering, uh, because for years I would teach face-to-face, but with learning to do this on COVID, mm. and uh, as we improve the technology, I... I can see the faces of my students and dialogue with them just as easily as I could if I was with them face to face. And I love it. Amen. Amen. And so, Bob, for those uh, who I'm sure there's only a few people around the world who aren't familiar with the Harvest Foundation. Why don't you share uh, a little bit about about uh, the mission of the organization? Well, we. We have two missions, two statements, and the main um, emphasis of Harvest is to equip, and we usually do that by training church leaders, leaders of local churches, to um, be able to equip their people. And equipping is another word for discipleship, to disciple their people, to express the love of Christ, not only in word, but in deed. Mm. And to be, uh, in essence, a summary would be to to learn to be Jesus' hands and feet in whatever vocation you happen to occupy, whether that's, you know, as a janitor or a CEO, it really doesn't matter. Um, we want We want God's people to obey him, which means to love your neighbor. Mm. And um, uh, and if, if, if we don't do that, we don't meet the criteria that God has established for healing our brokenness, which we see in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, which in my uh, statement of that is, if my people will live the way that I call them to live, I will heal their land. Mm. It's not that we heal the land. God heals the land supernaturally. But I think according to the biblical 
narrative, is, the criteria for that is that we have to live the way God has called us to live. And in summary, that's we call that um, the irreducible minimum, which is the demonstration of God's love, not just in word, but in action. So, yes, I mean, that... So if, if you are you saying that if you wanted to you know, squeeze what is Christianity uh, and our call within it, you know, we're on a, it's the elevator version. You know, it's a very short elevator ride. <laughs> are you saying that in a nutshell, if we are to if we love God, that is shown by us loving our neighbor? Yes. And the contrary is too. Mm-hmm. If we don't love our neighbor, um, John tells us that we don't love God. And so, I mean, this is pretty serious business. Um, we can say we love our neighbor, but if we don't, um, we don't love God. Wow. I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a yeah. strong statement. Well, it's not mine. <laughs> it, it's an Testament. <laughs> and so, you know, because... Obviously, as as we teach in the curriculum with the um, the Good Samaritan, you know, and the the scribe there was saying, you know, well, you know, who who is my neighbour? You know, who, who, in other words, who isn't my neighbour? Who is it that I don't have to love? You know, so sure, yes, you know, I'll love these people and those people and the ones that think might like me and and look like me and you know this. Uh, yeah, I'll go with them, but but not 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 these people. Well, I think that's because we we sometimes have a wrong understanding of love. Mm. We we equate love uh, with feelings, mm-hmm. and um, romantic love certainly is that. Filial love is certainly that. Um, parental love is certainly that. Loving people of our own tribe, um, maybe not as much, but yes. We have a feeling of affinity toward those that think like we do, that come from the same uh, g- g- tribal group, um, if we want to use that terminology. But when we don't feel love towards someone else, um, we're still commanded to act toward them as if we did feel that mm. love. Mm. And so... Um, the story um, uh, of Jesus in Luke 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan, is a good example of that. Um, there was no reason for the Samaritan to have warm feelings toward the bloody um, man who'd been robbed on the side of the road. But he acted as though he had those feelings for him. He acted in love even if he didn't feel it. We don't know what he felt. Jesus doesn't tell us. But what he did was do what God calls us to do, Um, whether it's someone from our tribe or not, whether it's someone that we like or not. We don't love necessarily the... No, we don't love the evil that they may do. And a lot of people, we don't, we hate um, mm. or we say we hate them 
But I think the Bible calls us to love our neighbor, and that's whoever is in need. Mm. And I think that was the definition that Jesus was trying to to establish in in uh, Luke ten. Mm. It it's someone who needs our help, and um, if they need our help, we, according to Jesus, if we love him, if we love his father we are obligated to reach out to them as much as we can to meet their need. Because, you know, if, if it's left down to human beings, or I'll speak for myself, if it's left down to sort of me to, to pick and choose who it is I am and aren't going to love, you know, when it comes to, to, to sacrificial elements, I'm really going to be, that's going to be a very small list. <laughs> you know, it's going to be, well, them, because they, they, they're like me, or them, because they vote the same way as I do, or them, or them, but, 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 you know, and basically you're left with yourself or your family, you know, and so uh, w- would you say that um, this love that you are talking about is something where it's a decision, i.e. you don't necessarily have to like that person, but you are called to love them you don't have to it's it's not the sort of person you know uh, what i mean is it's a decision it's something i am going to love this person even though uh there's so much that's different about us uh that's kind of an irrelevance you know because as we learn in romans is it 510 where jesus uh you know he he loved us by dying for his enemies you know and that's the sort of love that we're called to emulate is to there is no one that we're not called to love. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, I, you know, it, it, I, uh, I, I think I have a, a difference of opinion with um, a well-known uh, writer and commentator, Dennis Prager, on this. You know, he says, "How can you love an evil person?" Um, uh, it, it, it's not. It's unconditional love or unconditional regard for them in their need. It doesn't mean in any sense that you affirm or endorse mm. the evil that they may be responsible for, mm. which allows us, you know, to pray for our enemies. Um, and in so doing, he calls a fire, in a sense, on allegorically, you know, on their heads. Um, They would never expect us to pray for them, but I think the Bible calls us to do that. And and sacrificially. You know, know, the the Samaritan ministered to um, a man who was bleeding on the side of the road and, and and maybe unconscious, left for dead. We we don't know exactly because you don't know the details of the story, but he he really sacrificially mm. took time, took his personal resources, and so much so that he wasn't even able to respond when he dropped the guy off at the local clinic. Mm. He said, I will pay for him when I come back. I'll pay whatever it is that you uh, 
needed to help him. And um, that sounds a bit sacrificial to me. Because yeah, yeah, immediately I'm reminded, you know, of the 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 greatest commandment, you know, or the uh, the law of Christ. Yeah, it has the many names, the royal law, the the great commandment, the golden rule, you know. Um, but w- w- what I found one point was part of it uh, is found in many places, in uh, like even in the sec, well, in the secular world, where it's you know, um, to 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 love your neighbor as yourself, you know, uh, but also when Jesus carries on is to love your enemy, you know, and very few places, uh, I'd be happy to be proven wrong, but a very few, it does it say like to love your enemy. And that's kind of like go, goes against your natural instinct. Is it like love, yeah. love my yeah. enemy. It's like, no, 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 eradicate my enemy. You know, uh, they're a danger to me and, and my family and so forth. And everything I believe in, everything I believe in, you know, my, my worldview, my, this, my, that, and yet Jesus is saying, no, you, you are, you know, and if you really want to bring like love and peace into the world, it's to love your enemy. And, uh, but my, my question to you, Bob, is how? <laughs> how do we do that? Okay, I, I, think, I think first we need to answer the question of what is love. Mm. Um, and... Um, Love isn't an unthinking response of blessing to um, to another person in need. When Jesus loves us, he doesn't give us everything we ask for. He knows what we need. And his love is expressed in terms of giving us what we need. Not what we want, not what we ask for, but what we need. So to really love someone in a God sense is to be discerning in terms of what they need. And that's one of the reasons... uh, I'm so often asking people to pray for me that God would give me his wisdom mm. because it we need God's wisdom in order to discern what someone else needs. If, you know, an alcoholic on the street corner asks for a bottle of Thunderbird wine, because he wants to get high again, to respond to him by giving him that bottle would not be loving him. So I, I think we need to to really have a clear understanding of what love is and what it is not. Mm. And how do we love? Well, I mean, there are many ways, and you know, many times we don't have the opportunity to think, what does this person need? We have to respond on the spot. But the more we practice that, the more we have experience and the more we develop um, you know, wisdom in terms of, of what that really means. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think... 
you know, how do we love comes under the rubric of understanding what that person needs and what I have to give. So it's not a matter of just meeting a need that they have, but I need to have the resources mm. to be able to do that. I mean, there are things that I could do that I see every day. For example, with the with the the ethnic conflict and religious conflict that's going on in India today. Um, there are genuine needs for shelter, for food, for for safety. Um, I I'm personally not able to do that because I'm not there, and I wouldn't know how to do that if I were there. So loving isn't isn't meeting that need because I mean that's an, an immediate obvious need for those people. So it's you know it's a complex issue of you know understanding what that person needs and what I have that I can give. One of the lessons that we teach in Kingdom Mathematics and Harvest is that um like with the widow and her two coins, it wasn't very much, but it's what she had. And she sacrificially gave what she had. And God honored her by multiplying her gifts through the, the inspiration of her gift for all of us Christians for 2,000 years. So the multiplication has been huge um but god is the one who multiplied not us and so you know how do we give well it's being aware of what the needs are and uh, of that other person or persons and um and what do i have that i can give mm -hmm. well amen you know because as we were saying before when someone's uh, an enemy you know what what's the response you know it's kind of we we can do what we we have done through history which is to fight you know and you know it's like a, an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth where we'll, we'll all go around toothless and blind you know and uh, you know it's just the, the the pattern the pattern goes on you know and it, it just strikes me how there, there's there's two options you know there's the one the net perhaps somewhat the natural instinct is to fight back you know, but it, clearly it, it, it's satanic, you know, it, it's destroying, it's destructive, you know, and um, when we see, uh, you know, how Satan uses, you know, he often um, in, entices, you know, and then uh, he uses us, you know, abuses us in degrading us and then discards us, you know, and uh, whereas Jesus definitely uses us, uh, but doesn't abuse us, he raises us up through service, he makes us uh, become more like him more complete more um more enabled to love other people and so you know I, I would you know clearly it's christ's uh example that we're following in order to uh love our neighbor and indeed love our enemies but um you know is, is there is there also uh you know a, a magic spark that comes along as well you know so is it does that does that ever happen when we're faced in a situation like a uh God gives a helping hand, you know, more than just the example. 
is there some you know i'm just thinking i guess of the indwelling of the holy spirit which enables which which changes us and de- and develops us from within yeah i i think the answer to that is clearly yes it's not all the time mm. but i think the more we develop an openness to hearing the holy spirit the more we would have we we will have those moments i mean there are are, are many times when I have felt I've passed somebody on the street mm. that needs some help and I'm in a hurry. Um, and I have felt the Holy Spirit say, go back. Mm. And I've done that a number of times. Um, but I think that comes, you know, at, with with experience, with practice. Mm. You, you hear the Holy Spirit's voice. One of the stories that I often tell is when I learned that, I was, I was in Honduras, and uh, we were buying furniture for a one-handed carpenter. Hmm. He really needed help. He needed tools. He was a carpenter. He lost his hand, but he still was a carpenter. But he had no tools. Hmm. And so we were in the store, um, buying tools and this um, indigenous woman came into the store with a babe in arms and a toddler walking beside her and she came up to me um, and she asked for help wanted some money of course and um, and I was determined to help her but in my mind I thought Okay, I'm going to do my shopping because that's what I came for, mm. and um, and I'll I'll do this when I finish. And while I was talking to her, the owner of the hardware store came up and chased her, said, "You don't belong in here." Go. So, but I was sure I could find her. So I finished my business and we purchased the tools, and I went out to the street, Julian, to look for her. She wasn't there. Mm. I walked to the corner. I looked in all four directions. This woman, I still, I get chills thinking about this right now. Mm. Um, She wasn't there. And the Holy Spirit said to me very clearly, when I ask you to do something, don't delay. Mm. And and I thought, was that an angel that God sent to me to teach me a lesson? I've never forgotten that. And uh, you know, and um, I wanted to find her to help her, but she was gone. Oh man! And and I don't know where she could have gone. This was on a downtown street where. There were, you know, buildings connected right next to each other. No alleys. Where would she go? She wasn't there. And uh, so I I think, yet does the Lord give you that spark? Yes. Mm -hmm. I think we have to train ourselves to feel the spark. And we have to train ourselves to, to respond you know, and not not delay. Mm. So it's a discipline, a discipline of love. Yes, it is. Yes. 
because you know often tomorrow can never come can it you know it's kind of like well i would do it now but you know i'm too busy and i'm reminded of thomas bernardo in the uk um one of the children's homes charities is called bernardo's and that's how it started he was saw this this poor child on the street and uh the guy the child said can you can you let me into his home i said look i'm really sorry but i think his name was ginger He's like, I'm really sorry, but we haven't got any more room, you know, but but maybe tomorrow. So he went back to looking for him tomorrow, and poor Ginger had passed away. And he said, that's it. So we have 30 seconds left, Bob, and just um, just want to recap on the, on the wisdom that comes from God and has come through you. You know, is that of, you know, our call is to emulate Christ, to love our neighbor as ourselves, and that uh, it's something that we shouldn't delay something that we should rely upon, the example that's given by Christ and the Holy Spirit uh, that dwells within us. So wherever you are uh, around the world, ask Christ how you can be serving other people and honoring his name. Amen. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.